Morning Show, Sports at 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Frank Gunning. There's no statistical hole to poke in the Toronto Maple Leafs st- uh, standings argument, right? Like, they're... I mean, the regulation wins thing, I guess, is still there because they're sitting on on, uh, on eight, which is well behind the Bruins and the Panthers. So many more than five, which we all had burned into right. our brains because they've they, done that. Lately. They actually win in regulation now. So I guess that's the one, but it's mm-hmm. like home record, eight, Good. four, and one. Road record, seven, two, and four. Mm-hmm. Score first, about the same record as when they get yep. scored against first. Uh, Goaltending wise, it's been perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. And in fact, again, if you go over the last five games, Avelia Samsonov's starts, mm-hmm. they're pretty in line with what he did a season ago. Austin Matthews right there. Mitch Marner perhaps on a slower pace than we would have anticipated or he's been in the last couple of years. Obviously, William Nylander still having a great season. Yeah, John Tavares, I guess, could pick it up. But like statistically, it, there's not something you look at and you're like, holy cow, like this is this one really stands out. It is, it is concerning. That's all. It's all clicking along nicely for the Maple Leafs right now. No, the stat that's concerning is the one that actually does bolster how you feel about this team. And it's games played for players like Simone Benoit or mm-hmm. my boy, William Loggerson or Max Lajoie. Players like that having the amount of games played they have for this team and them still having the record, that's the stat I point to when I look at this in terms of how impressive is it, how impressive isn't it. That's the one because not that every team doesn't have injuries that they have to overcome, but this is the second year in a row where they have had a ton of blue line injuries kind of get racked up at the exact same time. And once again, they've found a way. I got a positive stat for you if Give you're a Leaf me. fan. Yeah. Again, Leafs and... Uh, Columbus Blue Jackets tonight, Scotiabank Arena on Sportsnet Ontario. Zero. Mm. That's the number of scary teams in the Eastern Conference right now. (laughs) Boston Bruins uh, looked like they were going to do it again during the regular season. They've cooled off significantly, losing overtime yesterday to the Devils. They're 5-4-1 in their last 10. They're on 40 points. They're 18-5-4 this season. They're five points up on the Leafs. But the Leafs have a game in hand. There is, and we just saw them against the other great teams statistically or standings wise in the Eastern Conference. The Rangers took them to the woodshed. Yep. Um, there is, there's nobody in the Eastern Conference. They're like, oh, boy, that's. I mean, you can you can do your best and try and shore up this team at the deadline, but awaits. Uh, you know, the fate that awaits the Maple Leafs when they get to the postseason is that mm-hmm. those guys that scary team now okay i understand it's still the leafs in the postseason bad things can happen can yeah. and will happen to this team in the postseason but okay despite the fact that you look at this this leafs team racking up wins like they have and and the talent level being underwhelming perhaps mm-hmm. and especially the blue line and yep. we've again talked about brad for living's public comments about maybe not pushing as far in with the rental players mm-hmm. because of uh, a need to maybe reset that amount of immediate spending does the fact that there is like really no major obstacle in the in the, in the Eastern Conference going to make you more bullish if you were in Bradford Living's shoes going towards the deadline? The fact that okay, maybe this isn't the most talented Leafs team over this era, mm-hmm. but it, the path forward, just like the Chiefs in the AFC and the Bills in the AFC, yeah. like okay, maybe that's not the best version of their teams over the last half decade, but you look at the AFC and it's wide open. The Eastern Conference is wide open 
Yeah, I'm, I'll push back a little on the Rangers. I think that was as bad a game as they've played this year. I don't think they're some world beaters by any means, but I don't think you're rushing to a, a matchup with them. I mean, they didn't have Keandre Miller in that game. And sure. again, if we're, well, hey, if we're going to talk about the Leafs losing Mark Giordano and Timothy Lilligren, them using losing Keandre Miller and not having him in the lineup, like these things matter. Shesterkin wasn't at his best. So I'm going to still point to the Rangers and say that that, again, like this is not to our point. There are There is no, 27 Yankees in any sport anymore, but I think that's still a team that with one or two of the right tweaks is the, really, in, really scary. In the West, though, I think you can rightly For sure. point to Golden a Knights couple ass. of teams, yep. right? Yeah, and then the Kings is like, ooh. Yeah, King, Kings is much more, I think they have, I see everything everyone else has seen. I just need to see it. There, the, There's the pieces there that have done it, but there's also pieces there that never have, and I'm curious to see how they act or they respond as the season kind of goes on, but you're right. I The other part of this is well though is that the Leafs and it's this year's team it's other years past that's what they do against good teams like they have pasted the avalanche Mm. over this little basically since the cadre trade they have owned Colorado every time they've they've played them so against good teams they show up and win this is what they do I don't think Treliving if he has a if he has some semblance of theory that he should maybe keep his powder dry a little bit, I don't think that's related to what this year's team is. I don't think that's related to what the that's NHL just what the is. the assets they have are. I think it's him being early on in his tenure here yeah. and saying, I okay, it's going to get better. I believe this team will build as I grow here. Not to say he won't do anything. He's going to do something. But I think that's why we avoid or we don't see the big push this year. Yeah, and once you use one of those bullets, once you start, yeah, the the, the process of trading mm-hmm. your first-round picks yet again or yeah. like an Easton Cowan or, or whatever, a Fraser yeah. Minton, yeah, you start the clock on your own tenure big even in, in year one. So yeah. that makes all the sense in the world. Plus, I can make the, the opposite argument about, you know, there being parity in the Eastern Conference – Means okay, maybe a couple pieces put you head and shoulder above everybody else, but also like you're you're almost as good as them right now with right Simon Benoit and William Lagason playing significant minutes for yeah. you. Okay, like maybe maybe you don't need the biggest tweak in the world at the deadline to go on a run through the Eastern Conference playoff mix. No, I don't. I don't know that you do. I still think that it's. I, I look at it, and it depends how much work you want to do. I think the questionable one that they're uncertain if they have to do is up front. Are they saying okay, Max Domi three C? Let's what ha- what happens there. We know they're going to add on the blue line. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of to what caliber and is it kind of one body? Is it two? The the question mark is up front, and I think that will maybe tip your hand more than other things as to how True Living feels about this team. Uh, looks like we're we're headed for a different first round matchup though for the Toronto Maple Leafs. No, no longer Lightning or Bruins. It feels like. I mean, I, I guess Careful. anything can happen. Long here. season. I mean, it is, and it is a team that's not like they'd be unfamiliar with. But right now, locked into a, a matchup two three against the Florida Panthers in a rematch of last year's second round series, which didn't go so great. All right, uh, time now for our insider. Brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit Don Valley North Lexus. Dot com. Today's insider, Frank Saravelli, president of hockey content, dailyfaceoff.com. How's it going, Frank? Pretty good, guys. How you doing? Doing all right. Is the East wide open? All right. Just all right? Yeah, come I don't on. know. I, I'm supposed to do better than that? I'm yeah, in a great mood. On. Frank, it's, I'm, it's almost Christmas. I'm in a I'm in a wonderful almost mood. Don't let don't Christmas. let don't let Ben. Ben's still crying about Shohei. Don't let him pull you oh. down. Okay, Frank. The, wait, the Shohei thing that was never close? Uh, does, You're still crying honestly, about that? Honestly, Frank, I can't argue with you right now because, like, that's I think that's 
correct that it was never close. And if you think it was close, then you think the Giants were close because I think that the Giants are in the same state and the Giants said that they offered him the same amount of money uh, that, that he ended up getting with, with the Dodgers. So, yeah, in retrospect, that feels silly, but I lived through Friday, okay? And I thought he was here. I thought he was a Blue Jay. I, 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 I truly did. I thought I got to experience. You allowed yourself to be swindled by social media. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not. Some clown somewhere uh, found some plane on its way from California to Toronto and was like, hey, we got him. He's on the, he's on the plane. Okay, now, Press what, conference at six. Uh, now, hold on. Okay, well, that guy, yes. Okay, we can talk about that guy being a clown uh, that you're referencing with the press conference thing. I'm the clown that did like had maybe tweet like the maybe patient zero on the the plane tweet because we're in here at, uh, before six o'clock in the morning, obviously on Friday, and we were. And I just tweeted it out in jest, and that's the way I was treating it until it was legitimized later on in the day by not clowns, right? So let's let's ease ease up on the clown talk because yeah. <laughs> But a clown talk is fun. <laughs> it, is, it is fun. I like clowns. I listen. I'm I'm a clown more often than not. All right. Um. It, uh. There's no segue to what I was going to ask you about. I Quit clowning around be... and talk about the Leafs. All there's right. my segue. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. Here we go, Mister Serious. Yeah. No. It's not, okay. But is the Eastern Conference uh, as wide open as it feels? Right. Like the Bruins have really cooled off after that tremendous mm-hmm. start, and I guess the Rangers are off to a, a decent start as well. They just took them to the woodshed at, on home ice. Is the, is the East as wide open as you can remember it? I think so. I mean, at this point last year, the Bruins had kind of run away with it already, right? Yeah. And <laughs> still lost in the first round. I mean, it's it's incredible to think about how this league works. Even, even, a, even a conference that looks locked up, the best team loses in the first round. And then you have this year where it's a jumbled mess. You even look at the Rangers. You mentioned them. Have you seen Igor Shosturkin the last three games? Mm-hmm. No, we saw him. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, he was giving up four goals in the first period. He's given up four or more in five of his last eight. Stinks. <laughs> well, doesn't stink, but like the point is, at some point during the season, everyone stinks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so- stench everywhere. Yeah. So what do you think that does to, I mean, like we understand what it does to sellers and the idea that there's less and less of them, but what do you think it does to GMs who maybe like a guy like Trilliving, he wants to buy, he knows he, he ha- kind of has to with the John Klingberg money. You have to find a way to add to this team, but what do you think it does to the impetus? You know, his situation is complicated also by the fact that it's his first year in a new spot. Who knows how much he wants to push him with this version of the team. There's the William Nylander of it all. Like, what do you think the fact that the mushy middle, forget what it does to the selling pool. We know it eliminates a lot of teams, but do you think it, it causes GMs who do maybe want to buy to even kind of quibble in terms of how much should we be buying? What exactly is it that we need? Like, do you think it just adds to the kind of indecision across the league when it comes to where you're at in the trade market? It shouldn't. It wouldn't for me. I mean, if anything, it would further embolden me to say, why not us? Why not this year? Hmm. And, and I'm not saying like, I don't think you should be having that discussion if you are the Sens or the Sabres or someone else that's a bit further off into the distance. But for the Leafs who are right in the middle of that pack, I, I would say let's let's do everything we can. Because why why can't that be us? We are an authentic contending team from this group. 
we have enough pieces that if we get in, we can do damage. And not just we're not trying to win one round here. We're not trying to win two. We're trying to win a Stanley Cup. And we've got the tools and horses to do it. Mm-hmm. So why would we sit back and wait? Yeah, I guess. I, maybe we're putting too much stock into public comments from Brad for Living, which might be, hey, just tamping down the trade market, but basically indicating that, hey, there's been a lot of, like, immediate, like, like trying to win at the trade deadline in previous years, uh, talking about the... The, the lack of, of you know, first-round picks and, and, and prospects that have, have gone out the door that maybe we, we're, we're slowing our role in that regard, I guess. Yeah, do you believe I, I think that's not? all it is, is tamping down yeah. expectations. Because to, to know his track record, to see it in play in Calgary, to see how aggressive he is, to see how active he is in conversation, I think part of what he's tried to or had to adjust to here in Toronto is just the sheer difference in market size. Hmm. He, he can't do and say and operate exactly as he did in Calgary because things are just different. You're sprinkling gasoline and lighting fires when you don't need to. And I think part of that is just to send a signal of, hey, we're you know all good here. We're going to try and sort it out. We're going to assess everything. Yeah, I think I think it it is interesting to see him operate in a different space because yeah, you know, you say something, and again, it's not like Calgary is Arizona, right? Like he would have had some eyeballs on him, but it's just it's different. It's it's different here. You know, the thing I've been the the thing I've been wondering about regarding the trade market is like there's been so much talk of Tanev, Tanev, Tanev. It almost feels like we're just sitting here waiting for that game of poker to resolve itself one way or another is our teams just kind of waiting for Calgary to, you know, I, I shouldn't say set it because they already did this with the Zazorov trade, but do you think there's another team that can maybe blink first? You know, I was looking at the teams that should be kind of clear sellers and there's just not much there there. You know, I don't know if you want Adam Larson from the, from the crack and maybe that's a guy that excites some people, but other than what the flames have going on and the couple of defensemen we think might be in play there, is there anyone else that's kind of front of mind for you in terms of possible trade targets? And I'm not just talking for the Leafs, but but anybody else out there is a kind of kind of clear obvious team uh, that should be moving. No, and that's the hard part because even the teams that have or, or would be in seller mode don't have a lot to sell. Yeah, who are you going to pluck from the Anaheim Ducks? No, who are you going to take from the Chicago Blackhawks? Connor Bedard. There's not it's not a lot to pick at on some of these carcasses, and that's the part that makes it, I think, a little bit more difficult. I, I think that's why there's probably not going to be much before the trade freeze, which kicks in on the 20th. Mm -hmm. This is probably something that's going to linger for a while until you can have some, some more clear separation and have teams that are really out of it begin to sell off pieces. Yeah. We'll we'll have more clarity across the league and, and you know, the team I'm, I'm most interested in when it comes to the dead outside of the Leafs um, is the Pittsburgh Penguins who, uh, consummate the trade for Eric Carlson. They get him out of San Jose. They, they figure that thing out. They do what I think everybody would have done given the same circumstances, tried to add to this core. As long as Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin are there, you got, you got to give it another whirl, and and it, it hasn't worked Even out. though logic has dictated that that shouldn't be the case. I guess, but, like, what are you supposed you to do? You said do what everyone would do. I, I, I'm not certain so what do you, that that's... So what do you do with Sidney Crosby then? Like, what do you do? Because, like, okay, I guess we can have this conversation about moving Evgeny Malkin. You're not, you're not moving Sidney Crosby, are you? No, but I'm not I'm not sure that I'm trading another first-round pick to add to it. Okay. 
So what what do you think they? I'm do just saying, there? like, let I would say if that again, not to say to sit here and put put a a, a pair of glasses on and say I'm smarter than everyone else, mm. but I, I'm not I'm not going out of my way to add in a significant way. If, if it means retooling your bottom six, maybe adding a, a defenseman somewhere, but I'm not going. I'm not trading my first round pick and taking on four years of Eric Carlson at ten million bucks a year. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be. Let me, let me just pile on another anchor, sir. I mean, like what? Like wh- they didn't make the playoffs last year. So yeah. let's say, like, let's game let's game this out. Let's say they get in. Does does anyone view the Penguins as a real threat to go deep? No. No, no one does. It's so th- what are we talking about? Well, here? this is the this is the thing of why a job like that is always in the by- eye of the beholder, right? Because of course, Kyle Dubas walks in there and he thinks, "Hey, this is going to be great. I'm going to be the guy that retools this and gets Sid another ring, and it, hey, I'm going to get one too." But if you're the guy caught holding the bag, like you know, we were talking about this a little bit with the Warriors in another sport where they're sitting there going, "Okay, it's a great dynasty is kind of coming to an end. How exactly do you?" tear this thing down without upsetting the principles involved. And that I think is just fascinating because, you know, the idea of Sidney Crosby just sitting there happily being a penguin for a bunch of losing seasons. I don't think anybody sees that being a possibility. Like how and not you... while he's having another all world season this year, he's on track for 50 goals. It's nuts. He was great last night. Like there's all this talk about giving him the Selkie, which is, and I have no issue with this, that this ends up being, hey, the thing. that was one of my bold predictions well, for the season. And I love you for it, Frank. It's like, if he ends ends up getting a, you know, career achievement Selkie, zero problems with that for me and not to say you wouldn't deserve it. But how do you look at that guy and say, sorry, we just kind of got to continue here. No big swings one way or another. It just feels like t- such a tough sell. I mean, that's a tough sell to Mitch Marner. Forget about Sidney Crosby. But he already won three Stanley Cups. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. I just I I can I can only imagine what the world would, or or sit, sitting there telling Sidney Crosby and how he imagines uh, that that goes. I want to ask you about the, the beauty isn't yeah. in the in the eye of the beholder with this job. It's in the eye of the guy who got a seven year contract <laughs> and is one of the highest paid GMs in the league. Well, I mean, there's the beauty of the job. Yeah, and he's gonna love that every every uh, couple weeks when the direct deposit hits when he <sighs> is when he is seen as the guy who is. I mean, at least partially responsible, and I'm sure a lot of people will put more than partially. Ron Hextall was supposed to be the guy holding the bag. Agreed. And he didn't even make it to the bag stage. I know it's it's nuts. I I don't want to belabor the Penguins' point. I want to ask you about the kind of run of violence we've had in the NHL for for the better part of I don't know a uh, week here. I, I I don't I don't look. These things happen. I don't think it's some terrible sign for our game that all of a sudden we live in a state of lawlessness. But it's just odd that we've had kind of a run of it. Obviously, we saw what happened with Perron, then then Gabranson there. Do you think that it's anything more than just kind of a blip in the radar? Are we having a return to hate in hockey? Is this part and parcel with what Tortorella was talking about two weeks ago, and no one expects to get hit anymore? Well, what's your read on it, Frank? No, I don't see anything really honestly out of the norm we've had a stretch where there's been a few questionable hits the department of player safety has had a couple more hearings and been a little bit more active than they typically would over a one week or 10 day period of time i i don't know about does does it feel any more nasty to you guys than it does normally we watch the leafs so so no no, definitely not yeah no No. (laughs) although jake mccabe uh, maiming people in back-to-back games so yeah well that's i mean we like I'm it. all for the violence. Like I just, I don't sense that it's 
reached the boiling point or anything like that. No. No, it's a fun little narrative to talk about when there's like... I mean, Nathan know. McKinnon did almost plant Jeff Skinner into the second row last night. Mm. I don't know if you guys saw that hit. I did. And that's a big one. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was a whopper. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What about this trend? Also, like uh, maybe recency bias uh, playing a factor. But we have seen three head coaches fired here before Christmas. Um, and it's it's worked out swimmingly on the the standings board for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, I don't know. By the way, Rick Tockett mm-hmm. in Vancouver is like the 21st longest tenured coach in the league now. That's funny. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this, but he was hired earlier this calendar year. That's really funny. That's amusing. Like, well, okay, to that point, are NHL GMs too impatient with their head coaches? Yes. 100% yes. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that Craig Berube falls into that category because, truthfully, if you were to inject some, some truth serum into Doug Armstrong, I bet he would tell you that Craig Berube was really never his guy. He comes in as an interim, wins the Stanley Cup, gets a contract from that, and then never you never really had any reason to fire him until now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean now they're making a change. Yeah. But in general, I would say yes. That just look at the Oilers. Look at look at um how that's played out this year. Oh, so make they, they've bludgeoned teams in their last eight games, outscoring them thirty-eight to thirteen. Mm-hmm. I, I love the work that Paul Coffey has done with their defense. They've really limited chances. Stuart Skinner has played way better. Their power play came back to life. But did anyone think that this team with Connor McDavid was not going to just start absolutely hitting teams with a mallet at some point this year? Yeah. Did they really need to change coaches? Maybe, maybe not. But, like, they wouldn't be the first team in the world that we've seen get, you know, go on an extended run, like, coinciding with the head coaching change and whether we can talk about correlation or causation. Like, it, it does occasionally happen in this sport. Like, Matt, Matt Boldy in Minnesota had 31 goals last year. Mm-hmm. I think he had either zero or one under mm-hmm. Dean Evison. Yeah, it was one. Heard Evison complaining okay. about it. Yeah. The, the coaching change just happened. He's got seven. <laughs> like, <laughs> did, did Matt Boldy wake up at some point this year and forget how to play hockey? Did Connor McDavid forget how to play hockey and all of a sudden these guys come in and remind them? Like, I, I'm sorry, I just don't buy it. I don't buy the coaching bump. Yeah. This is just to me a, a regression to the mean. Yeah, maybe, but yeah, I, I, I got to tell you because of what's what's happened, well, in in Edmonton, and because there are still examples to point to, it's it's going to happen again. Uh, maybe not to the degree at, at which it's happening this season with three head coach uh, head coaches fired before Christmas, but yeah, I I'll think tell you what though, GM still thinks if anything, it's a what it should what it should do is embolden other teams to fire their coaches because. Not just for what you mentioned, but for the first time in a while, there's actually good coaches available on the market. That's true. It's a good, good point. Uh, one of the fallouts here. Uh, Frank, always a pleasure, buddy. Thanks. Have a good weekend, guys. You too. Frank Cervelli, president of hockey content at dailyfaceoff.com. He was our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online in the, in, in the showroom. Visit Don Valley North Lexus. Dot com. Yeah, coaches were hired to be fired. They mm-hmm. understand the situation. That's how she goes. And certainly there are better head coaches than others, and they impact things. Mm-hmm. But it's not like the NFL. Like, they're not... They're scheming it up. It's not like, you know, Sean Payton can be the difference between one of the worst teams in the NFL and a team that's challenging the Chiefs 
to win the AFC West. Like, I don't think one, like Scotty Bowman ain't walking through those doors. And even Scotty Bowman, you know, I had, had some talent. Uh, yeah, uh, just, <laughs> just a bit. And even, and I think that this is, it's again, there's examples Almost every season, it yeah. teams that go on extended runs when the head coach is fired. And I'm not saying that's because of anything tangible. It's like, I, I, I'm sorry. As long as that exists, yeah. it's still going to be a weapon that's used. It is the easiest way to wake up 22 dudes who make millions of dollars. It's the only way to fire their boss kind of effectively. You know, mm-hmm. maybe they don't even see him as the boss. Maybe that's part and parcel of the problem. To your point about it's not like the NFL. Yeah. Go watch an NHL bench at the end of a game when they're trying to tie up a game. It is almost never the head coach sitting there on the whiteboard drawing it up. It's Guy Boucher all the time. Who do we talk about running all these teams' power plays? It's an assistant. It's Mel Holcher. It's Boucher. Who runs one of the units? The penalty kill. It's Van Ryan. Like, we don't think of hockey coaches, and this isn't to say that they're just there giving speeches and setting lines. Obviously, they have a tactical imprint on the way their team plays, but, but mostly it's a very different sport. Lines. Well, I mean, they don't even do that anymore. Like, it's Andy Frost who does it, and Tortorella is as good as anybody at giving them. It's true. How right. much Leafs dad got to, got to give the speech? How do we not know this? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think you can pick one dad because, you know, there's going to be a bunch of disappointed dads if it's not them. Would have been Brian. He would have been like I Brian know, You Matthews. feel like, yeah, yeah Brian the is captain the captain of the dads. Of the dads. I, mean, that's, I mean, this is Ty's first kick of the can. Yeah, and he's... No, he, but Ty, like, Ty, much like when we were talking about the Leafs legends, it's like Ty's in a different bucket. Mm-hmm. He's the Leaf. Like, yeah. He's literally, like, he's just a different guy. And it felt like Ty and Revo's dad were hanging out the whole time. Felt like there was a lot of them together of just being, like, tough. <laughs> That's all they were saying? They were just, like, no, they were just looking like, at each other and being, going, like, tough. Like, he, Revo being, like, my kid, mm, yeah. and Ty being, like, me, mm, mm. my kid, yeah. kind of. Mm. That sounds yeah. like a good conversation. Great. <laughs> well, better, better than the ones that we were seeing from Martin Jones' dad as he just oh, sat yeah. there in peril for the entirety of that game, which, again, like, I would feel the exact same way. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. Goaltending father. Good luck. You knew how to kept it. To, yeah, you kept it together. All right. When we come back, uh, Leafs, Blue Jackets tonight. On the call will be our next guest, Craig Simpson of Hockey Night in Canada and Sportsnet. As the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Your daily dose of everything NFL. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gutting, Austin Matthews continuing his assault on the rest, uh, record books as he's on pace for uh, 66 goals this season, a seven in his last five as uh, he and the Toronto Maple Leafs at home against the Columbus Blue Jackets tonight on Sportsnet Ontario. As called by our next guest, Craig Simpson of Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada. How's it going, Craig? Oh, it's going well. How are you guys? Doing very well. So Austin Matthews back uh, atop the standings when it comes to goal scoring this season. His rightful place after a little bit of a dip last season, 40 goals. Um, and especially recently, I mentioned that the, the seven goals in his last five games. Is he is he at his absolute peak of his powers the last couple of games? Oh, you know what? I, I think if you've watched him um, through the first, what, 25, 26 games, you know, he's had stretches where he's looked like he's got a shot. He's getting the looks that he wants. Uh, and then he's had stretches where, you know, the, like, I guess a lot of scores do during the course of, uh, of a season at times where the puck, you know, didn't quite go his way. I, I just think it's a natural when 
he gets into a comfort zone. He's got the ability to put some games together. And, you know, that's the oddity of sort of the inconsistency of the season. They had the six goals in the first two games and then uh, one in the next eight. He had six and three and then one in the next nine. And so maybe this is the streak that, you know, can be a five or a six game scoring streak to, to keep that confidence rolling forward. So, you know, I haven't felt that when he hasn't been scoring, he's been playing fine. And that's just sort of a normal course of, uh, of a season. You're going to have some dips. And when, when you get hot, you've got to take advantage of it and pile up as many as you can. Yeah, it's been interesting, the conversation around him this season, because he gets off to that blistering start. And then, like you said, there's the slow start and then all of us are the, the kind of slow stretch. But that coincides with Nylander setting the world on fire. So we almost just didn't really talk about that. We just focused on yeah. on Nylander. But, you know, part of the conversation that's been coming out of you go back to that Boston game where the Leafs ultimately lose it, but they put up a great fight against Boston or, you know, a big game against the, the Rangers last night in the back half of a back to back. There's been some talk about him being a player who really rises to the moment and you know some people have talked about it as a criticism of ah he only gets up for these big games but to your point I look when I look at Austin Matthews on his you know quote-unquote off nights that's a kind of regular performance for him I look at it as a great thing that he is able to raise his level you know some people will say ah why can't you play all 82 like that and I personally I just don't think it's a fair thing to ask of anybody other than I I guess Sidney Crosby and that's why he's so special (laughs) because he's wired that way but what do you make of that of a, a guy like Austin Matthews who he's never going to come out and say it of, yeah, these games mean more to me and maybe I give it a bit more, but what do you make of a player like him who really does seem to to rise to the occasion, rise to the moment when it's a, whether it's just a storyline thing or it's a game his team really needs? Yeah, I, I think it's more of a storyline. I, I, I don't see his game being wildly inconsistent from game to game. I, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's, there's a reason guys don't score 90 or 82 goals every year too. It's like, it's hard to score a goal every single game. So I, I think he takes a lot of pride in the other thing he does in this game as, as all the top players do. So, um, you know, the, the key for me is when, when he gets on a night where the pucks following him around and, you know, a night like in the Island where what do you have 11 shots there? And, right. you know, those are the kind of times when you just get into a good feel and your line's got a little bit of rhythm. I think that's where he's got the ability to be dangerous, but I don't see wild swings in his uh, consistency of his game just because the puck didn't go in the net. I think most nights you look at the game that he played and, you know, he's been solid. He checks hard in his own zone. He's responsible defensively when he needs to be. And uh, uh, I I do think that he's got good consistency. I thought last year, there's no question, he wasn't quite, especially early on, as dangerous at the beginning of the year. He maybe missed more shots than we'd seen the years before. But, uh, you know, that's the course. He's, he's been consistent in the seven years he's been in the league. And uh, this is another time where... Uh, despite the the sort of eight games and nine games where the puck wasn't going in, I thought he still was a consistent player, and he knows the role he has to play. Uh, Leafs are 15-6-5. They have the fifth best points percentage in the NHL. They're five points back of the top of the Atlantic division, um, and they've played inconsistently. I mean, it, it, does that record, um, does it flatter the Leafs? How, how much more is there to give for this team? How much better can they play? Well, I think what probably uh, is something that 
you know, you might not have noticed the fact that you've been able to get points in 12 of 13 because they haven't been perfect. You know, they haven't had a stretch where you're going, oh, yeah, they're their game is completely dialed in. You know, they're they're half a goal against more than their average over last year. And so they haven't been as dialed in defensively. But I, I do think one of the good things that has come out of the ups and downs of the early part of the season and the injuries that guys have had uh, to allow other guys to step in and see if they can play the role is they've they found a way to win you know, tight games. They found a way they at least get points when they're not at their best. And uh, quite frankly, I think that's, you know, that's a good challenge that, that, that pushes the team. Uh, I think everybody's got their focus on again, you know, okay, what's this team going to do come playoff time? Those are the kind of games you got to win when you're, when your top guys maybe aren't on, uh, maybe it's game four and you're, you know, you're down, uh, two games to one in the series, you're 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 a little bit flat. You're not playing great, but you stay in the game and you find a way to win. You know they've done that probably five, six, seven times already this year in in the 25, 26 games. And yeah, I think that's not a bad uh, tempo to get your your mind figuring out how to play and how to keep a game tight and how to learn how to win some of those one goal games. That that's sort of a practice. I think that's not a bad thing. And so that. That, to me, is why maybe the record seems better than the general feeling about the way the team has played this year. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, if they start to sprinkle in some of the beatdowns like they had on the Rangers, and I know that game got hairy for a minute there, it's like that record will feel mm-hmm. the, the, way, the, the way it looks. You know, one guy I want to ask you about specifically, and you mentioned the idea of playoff-style hockey, and when I think of this player, I, I think of it, and it's Max Domi, but I don't know that when you close your eyes, you think of him as necessarily a check-and-line center on a, on a playoff team, but I feel like there's a role for him there. You know, I wouldn't suggest moving him out of the middle now. I think he's been a really, really effective player for them there but you know when you're when you're going through the checklist of things you want in a series I don't know that he's the perfect 3C for you there what have you made of Domi's fit with this team and do you think he he will ultimately be be a center or do you think that maybe True Living tries to look at adding there and and potentially bumping him to the wing yeah I, I think it's been an inconsistent start I think it's been one where it took him quite a while uh, when he was on the wing, I, I thought he really wasn't skating. And one of his one of his best assets is, you know, get your legs moving, get in, get in on the play, maybe turn a puck over by surprising the defenseman. And I think, you know, Sheldon made the move to center, I think, really for that reason and that reason alone. And that got him skating a little bit more, got him some open ice, forces you to come, you know, the full back into your own zone. So I do think it's helped and it's worked. Um I, I'm not sure he's a bona fide third line center. Come a tough playoff matchup where you'd really trust him in your own zone. So I don't think there's any question that there might be, you know, a move. Uh, I'm not saying another Ryan O'Reilly move, you know, at the end of the year. But if you've got somebody, I think he's a, a guy that can play uh, a complementary role. You know, it's the course again of finding your way on a new team and. Where do I fit in? How can I be effective? I think he's had little spurts where he's looked like, okay, yeah, this is a guy who can make some plays. He's got ability to pass, but the consistency just hasn't been there yet. So uh, I think he's a work in progress. I think uh, Sheldon's been pretty um, upright and for- forthright with him and sort of talked him through what 
things he needs to do. And I think for the most part, he's starting to improve. But I think there's a long way to go before you pencil him in as that, you know, bona fide number three guy uh, come playoff time. Uh, and he brings a physical element to his game, as does Jake McCabe with a, a big hit on Tuesday. Um, how do you evaluate? I mean, there's, there's few and far between uh, the the number of players that have that that big hit ability that we saw on Tuesday at MSG from Jake McCabe. How do you evaluate that as as a tool to be used in his tool belt? Well, I, I think Jake's actually probably played some of his better hockey over the last couple of weeks, uh, and not not by surprise. You know, it's at a time where you you lose some defensemen and you get some guys coming in that uh, are trying to acclimatize themselves. You know, I think Legison's done a pretty good job. Lejoie, when he's come in, has played well. Timmins is settling, so I, I think Jake's play came at the right time. I uh, I think he's. I think when he gets himself into trouble at times, he tries to do too much and uh, maybe uh, holds on to the puck a little longer than he should. I think the way that he's playing now is he's making the crisp early play and and he's using his physical, um, you know, his physical strength to get a big hit when he needs it. So this has been a team that's been hitting pretty consistently through the year, and I, I think uh, he's just settling into his role. And I, I think he's been playing some of his best hockey, actually. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You know, McCabe has always been a guy who, like you said, with the physical element there, but it's just been a matter of kind of picking his spots, right? It's, you know, when to look for that big hit, when's the right time in the game, and when to take it when it's there. And, you know, he's, to me, felt like the guy who would, you know, I, I know this because goes for a lot of guys, but God, if he could just have a stretch beside TJ Brody, and I know that, you know, you need Riley and Brody to be that pair for you, but it just seems like he would benefit so much from having that kind of steadier presence uh, all, all alongside him. Uh, Got to ask you about Mitch Barner here. Not often a guy scores two goals in Madison Square Garden, and we do not mention his name the next day, but unfortunately for Marner, uh, that happened. Feels like he's kind of gone under the radar a little bit this season, and he certainly had his moments, you know, when he had the hat trick, they needed that more than than ever but uh it does seem like a little bit of a quieter year for him maybe it's just that Matthews is surging the way he is and Nylander had it and Tavares had his thousandth point but I also don't know that a quieter regular season for Mitch Marner is the the worst thing in the world Simmer what have you made of his year yeah I I I, again you're you probably hit it there that you know for stretches remember last year what did he have a 23 game point streak yeah. of his own. So you were talking about Mitchter in there. Well, out of the gate, it was Nylander with the 17 uh, to set a record to start the season. So they both had their moments in that regard. You know, I, I don't think it's been a spectacular season for Mitch yet. I don't think he's played yet his probably uh, uh, best game or best hockey in long stretches. But I think it also speaks to his abilities when you know, you're you're still over a point per game. You're a productive guy. You're 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 not a liability defensively. Still playing a key role, killing penalties. So uh, I think it's again, you know, one of those good things where other guys have bumped the the offensive needle when they needed it. The the core four guys are still all moving that needle going along, and I, I think you're probably then just waiting. Okay, when's the hot streak going to be for Marner where he takes off? You know, the fact that here he are 26 games in and Nylander leads the teams in assists, you know, since Mitch has been here, it's been seven straight years of leading the team in assists. So I, I just know that, you know, not that as a player you're looking at your stats all the time, but 
I, I don't think he's had his best stretch of hockey yet, but it says a lot that he's still really productive. And I, I wouldn't be surprised as they take turns being the one that gets on a hot streak that his uh, streak will come. Yeah, I wondered about that, looking at your own individual stats over the course of a regular season, because I think, um, yeah, for, for casual fans, it's interesting to pick up the box score if maybe you didn't watch the game and see, hey, did Austin Matthews score? Is he still on pace for 66 goals? Where is he going to finish at the end of the season? For the players yeah. themselves in, in the midst of the season, like how aware should you be, are you, of, of your individual stats? Yeah, I, I, I mean, there's no question that, uh, you know, it's, it's all about the team and about where you fit in in the team and what's your responsibility within the team. So uh, I don't think you can be overly stats wary, but I think you'd be guys would be lying if they said, Oh, I didn't know what I have right now or not. I mean, you know, if you haven't scored in five games and you, you go in, especially if you're a scorer that that's on your mind and it's tracking you, you, I always say at the beginning of the season, you can't wait to get the zeros off the page, right? Because uh, <laughs> the longer it goes and you look down at nine games in, you haven't got a goal. That That's a pretty, that's a harsh thing to look at. So I, I think it's natural. Your top guys have to be the drivers with their individual game, but you can't let your individual game come before the collective good, right? So I, I think it is, always is a balance. And I think any guy that says, oh, I don't know what I have, uh, it's, would, be, <laughs> would be lying through their teeth. For yeah, sure. I mean, we see them all looking at the iPads after every shift, so pretty tough sell that they're not looking yeah. at the box score after every after <laughs> yeah, every exactly. game. Uh, last yeah. one before we let you go, Simmer. Got to ask you about the Penguins. Obviously, you know, date with Dubis and the Penguins on Saturday night. That's going to be, uh, you know, a fun circus in and of itself. But Sidney Crosby, I, I don't want to call it turning back the clock, but man, this is, uh, I'm not going to say as good as he's ever been, but as good as we've seen him lately uh you know he leads him to a comeback win last night he's getting a ton of selkie buzz what is it about these guys the truly great players that just find this late career burst and again you know it's not like Sidney Crosby has been on death's door far far from it but it really does feel like he's found another level this year yeah I just think that his his commitment and consistency and you know so much like Today's athlete is just such a, a physically doing everything they can from a training perspective, nutrition perspective. I mean, look at the NBA and LeBron James at the age that he's in, uh, still playing at a high level like that. So I, I just think that his, uh, Sydney's commitment to just trying to improve all the time, I, I think, has been talked about at great length. Uh, I think it's a great thing, again, that looking at, you know, high 30s doesn't necessarily mean that you, you can't be a leader, you can't be productive. And I, I think the one great thing for him is, you know, he might not be as fast, but his skating hasn't dropped off. And when, you know, so much of his game is stops and starts and getting a, uh, a little jump into an area or jumping into a hole, and it looks to me like he, he, he hasn't lost that pace of his game. And when you couple with that, his attention to detail, it, it's great to see. And, you know, it's not been an easy start for the Penguins. They've been an inconsistent bunch and been a, a hard one to figure out. But uh, I think every year you just look at the way he prepares to be ready for a season, and you, you have to marvel at uh, his commitment and the ability that he still has as a player. Uh, should be a fun one on Saturday. Be a fun one tonight down at Scotiabank Arena. Uh, Maple Leafs and Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, Craig, appreciate the time. Thanks. All right. Take care, guys. Craig, Craig Simpson of Hockey Night in Canada. Yeah, that's going to be, as you mentioned, a circus. With I, the Kyle Dubas of it all. It's yeah. second matchup between these two teams this season. It's a little different, though, here. 
Yeah, very different here. Uh, with him, I can you imagine he doesn't show? Like, imagine he's like, oh, you know, family obligation, so close to Christmas. You guys, you guys know I love my family. You're very aware of yeah. how much I love my family. Yeah. Could you imagine he Brendan doesn't Shanahan, show? Brendan Shanahan, very aware. Very aware. How much? Too he, much so. Yeah. I also like to think that at the end of that, Simmer was like giving you a pep talk. Like, he's talking about oh, Crosby. I know. He's like, late in your 30s, 30s you can still be a that. leader. I'm and it's running like, that's out of time you, on that, That's why though. you got to be our leader, Ben. Yeah. Every day try do yep. my best but yeah no i'm running out of runway in my 30s it's uh well that no you're running out of excuses it's like once you're 40 you must be a leader of men yeah no i got no excuses left <laughs> um no Sidney crosby uh, he's a, a medical marvel no that's not true like he had a good season a, a year ago yeah. um yeah again it's not like this is completely out of nowhere the 14 even strength goals though lead the yeah. national hockey league that's ridiculous he has to be great considering the deficiencies around him, and it will be, boy, a stain on Kyle Dubas's resume to have the first year go off the rails like yeah. it could very Especially much this season. Especially when you made the massive swing you did with the Carlson trade. Like, what would have happened if you would have just hung on to the car keys, kept her in neutral, pushed her down the road a little? Like, this team clearly needed some tweaks, but... That was, you know, like knocking out a supporting wall. Actually, I think that's what it was. They knocked Dude. out a wall and they're like, uh, that woman was supporting. Maybe not the best one. <laughs> you know, it, it brings me back to our conversation we were having about Brad for living and maybe pulling the trigger on something big at yeah. the trade deadline this season and why you would or wouldn't do that. And sure, it's a pretty flattened talent landscape in the mm-hmm. Eastern Conference and it's the Leafs. They got a chance to win the Stanley Cup every year considering the top end talent. But once you do that, yeah, right away, and I mean... The difference is Kyle Dubas is the president, and he's got a seven-year contract that pays him more than a little bit. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, once you do that, your first move out of the gate is taking all of the $10 million of cap hit of Eric Carlson. It puts you, again, not on the clock because he's got a seven-year deal, but already you're in the court of public opinion and not on the positive side of the ledger. No, definitely not. The It's funny you mentioned Trill living there, of course, and I just think back to what Frank said about him, and that, that you want we talk a lot about double-edged swords, and me as a content person who talks about the Leafs every day and him going, yeah, Trill living's like a moth to a flame. He ain't going to be able to stay away. He loves to deal. It's mm-hmm. what he is. I go, great. It's awesome. I'd love to see it. I've seen some of those trades Brad Living has made. They ain't all bad. He's made some good ones in his day, but uh, far from a, a unblemished record uh, regarding trades. Like, who has one? But yeah, that the, I was very much afraid of that as as well as emboldened when I when I heard that from Frank. Yeah, I also like, and maybe I'm just parsing. Yeah, but parse away. I mean, we I keep going back to the public comments from True Living, which were a long time ago mm-hmm. about hey, maybe not going as yeah. further all in on this team as previous incarnations because eventually you got to start a. You just got to start to refilling the coffers yep. a little bit, and it, since then, like the media availabilities, like uh, when he was doing the rounds yep. after the John Klingberg announcement, yep. I feel like we're getting less from him for sure. It's almost like again, not that he's shocked what it means to be the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs, but it's almost like he realizes, oh, they no, they listen to every word and everybody hears it. Uh, last one on the Penguins, just in terms of weird, confounding team. They are so far out of a playoff spot just in terms of teams between them. They do have a positive goal differential, no, which I is know. not a common thing for teams outside of the playoff spot right now. So weird, weird team. Can't yeah. wait for Saturday. Can't yeah. wait for tonight, but really can't wait for Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, I mean, Blue Jackets, Penguins, uh, Patrick Line, Sidney Crosby, they're the same. Exactly the same. <laughs>
right, we'll be back. I'm sorry, Canada. <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow. This has been the Fan Morning Show. Ben Ennis, Frank Gunning, Sports 590, The Fan. Good morning. morning.